been looking for a home in this neighborhood, and nothing that fits our needs seems to be available. Then our realtor told us about the FHA 203K program, where we can find a smaller room and use that program to add another room and remodel the home all in the same loan. The same loan we used to purchase the home. What a great idea. Hey, welcome to Love My Renovation Project. And while we don't love all of them, we love most of them. If you're in the renovation business, you're probably going to have a problem about 2% of the problem time. Uh, 98% of the time, you're going to have smooth sailing, easy going uh, projects that just fly right through and you don't ever hear anything about them. They get started and finished and everything is cool. So if you're getting into this for the first time and you have a problem 203K and you're a loan officer or you're a consultant and you've got a nightmare problem, you're, you're going to look forward to 98 without any. Okay, So I mean, you're going to have about 2% of them are going to give you fits. Um, and those two two percent will will make up for all the good ones you get. But uh, and anyway, we're having fun with uh, renovation projects. This is being broadcast today from our Las Vegas offices, uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Love it here. The temperature just now coming around to where it's supposed to be. It's uh, about sixty five outside. Uh, next week we'll be in the seventies and week after that we'll probably be in the 80s it's just just starting to turn around for us it's been cool uh, but it's it's coming around so hey are you a teacher <clears throat> fireman policeman prison guard emt anything like that where you're a, a government employee and you work with you go to work with a badge on uh, here in las vegas we got county sheriffs we got metro police you guys are all entitled to a 50% discount if you can find a qualifying home on the HUD foreclosure list. And they're marked right on there if they're good for the Good Neighbor Next Door program. Um, the nice thing about it, if, if you are and you find that house, uh, maybe it's listed for $500,000. Who knows? But that means they've had an appraisal done on it, and it's worth 500000 but if you qualify, you're going to get a 50% discount. So when you're bidding on it, you will bid just like anybody else. So if the bids start um, and they're hoping to get 500,000 and there's 20 bids and the lowest bid is 400,000 and then 425, 450, uh, 475, <clears throat> 500, I'm, I'm suggesting you borrow. You place a bid for $500,001 or $500,020, something where you have in your pocket. If you, Because what happens is if you bid over the asking price, you have to come to the table to close that loan with enough cash to bring it back to the asking price. Once you achieve the win on the bid, you're going to get a 50% discount when you flash your badge. Isn't that cool? So you bid $500,020, and you get the bid. You hand them $20 bill, uh, 
and then they're going to take $250,000 off of the price. All you have to do is live there. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, you're going to live there for three years. That's the anticipation. Now, if your company moves you, you get a different job or an out-of-state job, and you got to move out-of-city job. We had a, um, a young man who qualified up in Northern California. He got transferred back down to Sacramento. So he was able to keep the second or the first house and buy another 203K. So, and you can do the buy fixers. You can buy houses that are ready to move in. Just depends. And the, the listing on the HUD website will usually tell you if it needs work or not. So, but one thing leads to another, and sometimes a homeowner, while working on a renovation project, may find themselves between a rock and a hard place. That's not a good place to be. But if you know, um, or you should know at least, that uh, most 203Ks and other type of renovation loans go off without a hitch. But if you find that nobody's helping you, your loan officer is gone on making on more loans, and he doesn't really think about you anymore, then that's fine. Don't worry about it. Go to 203K911.com and tell us about your issue. Uh, frankly, I thought it was going because of the number of issues. Uh, there are not that many, but at the same time, uh, there's quite a few for somebody who doesn't understand them. We have been able to help 99% of the people who contact us over the phone with just telling them what they had to do and letting them do it. If you want us to do it, there is a fee, and uh, we'll go over that with you at the time, but there's no fee to call us. There's no fee to talk about. Uh, your initial consultation on that is free. But there's a lot of new consultants out there, too. If you're listening to this program and you have an issue, you have a problem, uh, you've been asked to solve and you don't know how to solve it, feel free. Go on to 203k911.com, explain your role and what the problem is, and then we can talk about it and we can offer you several uh, solutions to your issue. Uh, we've done enough of these now, over 30,000 203Ks with our small company. So we have seen pretty much everything that can go. We've seen about every fraud that can happen and stopped it. Um, I got a kick out of HUD called me one day. Uh, the, my representative in San Francisco called me and said, Mike, uh, how come you fired old Eddie over here? And I said, well, I caught him paying for things that weren't done, and that's, that's a big issue. There's no upfront money with a 203K. Now, some lenders are looking at the guideline and allowing 50%, up to 50% of the materials cost, and that's very helpful, but the lenders don't really know how to function with that, and they quite often will give that money to the borrower and not explain why or what it's for. And the borrower runs out real quick, oh, God, honey, we got an extra $50,000 there. Let's go buy a boat. And then when the contractor says, hey, I was supposed to get a check, Oh, well, that was for you. I'll go try to sell that boat. Yeah, uh, you're not going to get much paid for it, that's for sure. So lenders, open your eyes. If you're going to give somebody advance on materials, send a note to your consultant. Let them know what's going on so he doesn't get blindsided with this revelation when they get out there to do the first draw. 
um, let the homeowner make the check to the contractor and the homeowner. That way, the kind of nobody can cash it without the other one knowing about it. And that's the way it's supposed to be done. Don't make the check to the homeowner and then no explanation, because they'll make up things in their mind and oh my God, look at this windfall we have here. Let's go do something with it. Why don't we go on vacation and not be reachable for a couple of months? Well, they fix our house. No, that's not the way to do it. Shame, shame, if that's what you're doing. Um, you know, we've had a lot of uh, issues. I've been noticing a lot of people don't really care to do business with a company called Penny Mac. You know, Penny Mac does things their own way, very close to their own way. You know, and lenders have what they call supplemental um, standards or supplemental requirements so they can actually make it harder than HUD intended. Um, in fact, the problem that I see on the internet about Penny Mac is that they're trying to make it easier. They're sending out these checks uh, for materials to give the contractor something to get started with, get to buy materials. I know years ago I took over a job from another guy and the contractor called me up and says, hey, I need a, my draw. I said, great. So I set it up, drove out there, and as I'm pulling into this long driveway of this country property, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, a delivery truck was pulling out. And I pulled in there and I saw you know, stacks and stacks and stacks of materials. And I said, well, here, here's your, did you fill out column three yet for your draw and request? He said, oh, no, I don't know about that. So I handed him paper, and I said, just fill in column three with the items that you worked on that you have completed so we can do your drawing. He says, no, 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 no. My my other consultant told me that I could get a materials draw up front. <clears throat> so I just spent $50,000 of my only money, and I got that. Now I need to get a draw to pay for the materials only. La, la, la. No, no, no. That's not the way this program works. Um, FHA and Fannie Mae and VA, they all want you to get something done at the contractor's expense using his credit and using his uh, wherewithal to get the materials brought in, get the draw, get them installed, get the draw, and pay for them. So typically they don't buy all the materials like this guy did. Um, and then I got to thinking about who it was. I said, let me make a phone call. And I called the lender and I said, hey, I know that you've been having trouble with a particular uh, consultant. He told them they're, they're going to get paid a materials draw on draw one without having anything installed. Materials is here. I'm here. And the contractor is literally in tears. Uh, I never saw a guy cry so so quickly. He, is, he had this thing all planned and ready to bust button, get this house finished, and there he was, stuck with all of his money tied up, 100%. Now he's got no money for labor, and he can't get reimbursed for materials. So I explained what happened. They called me back within 15 minutes and said, go ahead and pay the draw. You know, put the things in the categories they belong in, go ahead and pay the draw. We'll honor it. As a consultant, Knowing we can't do that without their authorization, that's what I put on the back of um, on the back of the draw form, page two. 
you merely check off item box number four instead of five. Five says all the items in line item three have been installed according to the uh, guideline. So what we did, we just marked number four. It's an exception. It says the following items have been approved for payment and have not been installed. So we just made that change in there to notify everybody that uh, as they get installed, we'll pay the labor on these items. But this was authorized by the draw department of your company, and everything moves on. Hey, by the way, I don't think I said this, but if you want to be part of the show today, you have a question or a comment, feel free to call us at 888-627-6008. And you can certainly interject. Tell us about your experiences. If you're a homeowner and you had a 203K, how did it go? If you're a consultant, you tell us about one of your interesting pro projects that you had. Um, we'll be happy to entertain that. But again, if you're having any issues at all, no matter where you are in the process, if you want to go to 203k911.com, scroll down to the handy contact form, fill it out, and just let us know a little bit about the project, uh, the problem. Give us a phone number. Uh, if nothing else, we'll send you an email back and suggest a couple of times and dates, and then we can settle on uh, getting together on the phone and just talk about your issues and see if we can't solve some of those issues for you. It's all about trying to make this process go smoothly and keep everybody happy. So, um, you know, it's not to say that we don't have our issue ones too. I mean, we got our two percent just like everybody else does. So nobody's perfect, and no project is perfect. But if you work at it, work through it, you'll get there. Anyway, um, why in the world would anybody that's a home inspector want to become a 203K consultant? You know, why would you want to add that to your resume, you know, and to your credentials? Well, I was a home inspector for over 30 years. Now this, gosh, this is 20 years ago. In 1994, I heard about the 203K, and I had been a home inspector for 30 years before that. I didn't inspect them like a home inspector might today. What I was inspecting for was deficiencies in the heating and air. We were manufacturers for many years of sheet metal and um, pipe and fittings, duct pipe and fittings. So, and anyway, we would inspect, uh, I got a kick out of one inspection, they called me on a high-rise building in uh, in Oakland to look at the ductwork, and they informed me that my ductwork was falling apart, and this was the 25-foot flex, you know, that comes 25 feet crunched in a box, all insulated, and got the vapor barrier on it, so I get up there, and um, there was, I think, I don't know, 10 or 15 of us out there, different trades, and they showed us one break after another, and finally they asked if we had any comments, and I said, well, yes, I find it very interesting that in every case our ductwork is blowing out near a VAV box, a variable air volume box, a high-pressure damper, if you will. Um, I said, that's odd. That's really odd. So. Uh, before I could say another word, the guy from the damper company 
says, say no more, Mr. Young. It's you're absolutely right, and it's not your ductwork. He says, I see what's happened. Instead of drilling a hole through the sheet metal to put our test equipment in, my guys poked a hole in your ductwork, creating a fault in your ductwork. So when the pressure came back on of 10 inches of water column, your ductwork had a hole, and it would just blow that out. And that what was really funny to me is the distributor, the wholesaler that sold our product there, says, well, Mike, can you uh, supply a bunch of duct here to fix this? And I said, I don't know. Did you hear what he just said? It's his fault. That's <laughs> not my fault. Why would I provide a bunch of free ductwork for a job when the ductwork that was there was adequate? So anyway, uh, we did what we could, and but, but it wasn't our fault. And that's the kind of thing we do is troubleshoot the issue, find out whose fault it is, and then get to the get to the crux of the situation. In any case, hey, I see it's time for our first break, so call us at 888-627-6008, toll free to be part of the show. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this short break. We love our neighborhood, and schools here are great for the kids. But our family has outgrown our home due to the new baby on the way. Then we heard about the FHA 203K program, where we can add a room or two to our home and refinance the existing loan, all in one low-interest 30-year loan. What a great idea! want to be part of the show, call us at 888-627-6008. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, getting back to that first situation, would uh, the lender agreed to pay the materials cost the contractor to breathe the sigh of relief? That I, I was such a pleasant sound. <laughs> In any case, uh, we got through that job and everything went well after that. But um, I did know that the lender was having trouble with that particular consultant, so they would just typically use that as additional evidence as to why this guy was inadequate. Uh, and he'd been a consultant for a long time. I'm surprised that he didn't get caught doing that a lot sooner. Um, I started talking about Ed when uh, HUD called me and wanted to know how come I terminated a consultant. See, we had about 15 consultants on staff and about 19 appraisers on staff back in the 90s. So I told her that we, I caught him paying for things that weren't done, that weren't complete. We're supposed to pay for items or a percentage of items that are complete. So on column three is, is where you fill in what you want. Column one of the draw requests is set up in four columns, but column one is what's available. Column two is what's already been paid out. And column three is what you want to be paid out on this particular draw. So as we looked at that, um, uh, column three, he had authorized materials to be drawn. 
I would follow and go behind and periodically check on my 15 people to be sure that they were doing it right because our company name was on the paperwork. And as I did that, I caught this one guy continually paying. Well, the third time was a charm. I, he was paying for things that weren't done. As I recall, the last issue was a wall furnace. When I got there and looked at the situation, I went to see the wall furnace, and it was still brand new, still in the box, and not installed. So I, I contacted and explained to him, I, I can no longer use your services. If you pay for things that aren't complete, um, and you know they're not complete, I mean, certainly there's a, a potential for error, but if you know it's not complete, you can't pay 100%. It's that simple. Um, but Eddie was doing that, so we had to let him go. Well, when HUD had asked me why I let him go, and I told him, then they said he's no longer a consultant because we caught him doing the same thing. Um, but since you did catch him on your own and you have all your own quality control, I just explained that I would go behind my consultants periodically just to see. I might do draw number two or draw number three or four or five and see that everything that they had checked off last time was in fact completed. And if I got there on the next draw and something they had checked and wasn't completed, then I would um, be aware that these guys are paying for things that weren't done. So you don't want to do that. You don't want to put your consultant in a box to do that. Uh, when we were appraisers, I got a kick out of a friend of mine, a realtor, a big realtor with a large group of people working for him. Um, I had to send somebody else to do a 442, which is a, similar to a draw inspection, but it's an appraiser's form to say something is complete or, or not. I was on vacation um, out of state. And they call me and say he needs a draw or he needs a 442 on this thing. I said, well, send someone over and uh, have them call me and let's talk about it. So when they did, they, my employee was shocked. So when I got out there, that guy said that you would have signed it off, but it wasn't done. And I said, well, before I could say anything, they said, well, he not only said you would have signed it off, he's been a friend of yours for a long time. And I said, number one, he's not a friend of mine if he's telling me to do things that commit fraud. He's not a friend that he, at least he's not a friend that I thought he might have been. Uh, because friends like that don't tell you to commit fraud. And they don't tell your employees that you would commit fraud. Uh, it just doesn't happen. Um, I remember uh, we did not pay that. We didn't close that. They closed a day later because they didn't get the construction finished. But I remember one time the uh, FBI and the Inspector General finally got a hold of me about a job. There was a contractor or two that was committing fraud. They were doing lots of 203Ks. But they would find brand new houses they could buy out of steel and have a consultant work with them to create a bogus draw inspection, excuse me, a bogus scope of work, and then do draw inspections on the work for the work that was already done and pull money out of a house they just bought. Um, I got wind of what was going on from this one contractor when he 
call, I answer the phone, which I do quite often in my business. I answered the phone and said, uh, he said, I'd like to get a draw tomorrow, and I want to be sure and send Ed out. Uh, nobody else. Just Ed knows the, broad, uh, the house, and he knows us, and he knows what we're doing out here. So just send Eddie. Well, I already fired Eddie, so Eddie wasn't going anywhere. But I didn't like the conversation that was having. Eddie knows what we're doing. Eddie's this and Eddie's that. I, so I... Uh, jumped in my car and I did that draw. But the funny thing was when I pulled up to the house, I hadn't recognized the address, but when I saw it, all of a sudden it hit me like a ton of bricks. I had appraised this house about six months earlier. So I called my office and had my secretary pull the file. So it was sitting on my desk when I got back. And when I got there, I noticed the, the roof had been replaced. It was new, anyway. And they had a roof to be on there. I said, well, you want the drawing on roof too? He said, no, 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 not this time. We'll get that next time. I thought that was peculiar. So I get back to my office. I look at the appraisal that I did six months earlier. Gee, it has a, everything they had replaced on that house was brand new six months earlier when I looked at it. Right away, I realized what was going on. Eddie was part of the fraud. So the Inspector General and uh, FBI had representatives in our office, and they wanted to look at a few files on houses we had did that, where certain contractors were involved. So we pulled those files for them and let them look through them, and they couldn't find anything wrong. And a couple weeks later, they called me and said, can you explain how is it you did business with these people and other consultants did business. We caught fraud in every other case but yours. And that's when I told them, I said, fraud is a two-way partnership. You have to have people willing on both sides, the contractor and an accomplice. An accomplice can be a lender, can be a consultant, you know, whatever, can be the homeowner. And we don't participate in that. And that was the end of the story with them, but they did, I got a kick out of it because they did ask me about one house. They said, we had a home inspection done on this house, and the home inspector said it had three layers of roofing. In your paperwork, it says it's got a brand new roof. How do you explain that? Or is he a liar? It was funny because the FBI and the uh, inspector general wanted me to say somebody's a liar. Are they a liar? <laughs> Uh, lying is one of the worst things you can do. So we don't lie. Never have. It was something my dad instilled in me a long time ago. Good God, 72 years old already. So anyway, what we did, um, I got on the phone, called one of my inspectors, and I said, swing by this house on your way back. And put your ladder on the roof, go up there real quick. Don't get on the roof, but go up to the edge and just tell me how many layers of roofing are on it. And get a picture close up. So they left, the inspector general and the FBI people left. And a couple hours later, I get a phone call from, God, who was that? It was a young lady that worked for me as an inspector. But anyway, she called me up and said, uh, I'm here on the roof. Uh, the owner came out when I put my letter up there, and she said, fine, to go ahead and do what you're doing. She says, 
says, this is a brand new roof. You can see the brand new plywood. She said, I got a good clean picture or two of it for you. Um, but there's no two ways. There's no three layers up here. There's one layer of roofing. But as most construction people understand, when you put a brand new shingle roof on a house, you put the tar paper down over the plywood. Well, in this case, it had brand new plywood, so all the plywood had been removed and replaced with new. And then you lay the tar paper down, and the first course is upside down. So you lay it upside down, and then you turn another one over, and you put it right side up. And then the first one laps that. The next uh, course laps the first course. So what do we end up with? You, yeah, you'll have three layers right there at the front, but it's not three layers of roofing. It's one layer of roofing, three layers thick. So uh, I got on the phone and back to the FBI, and it's interesting. They don't ever answer their phones. They don't ever answer their phones. What they do is they want you to leave a message so they have that recording as evidence for a future court case if they have to go forward. So I left the message and I said, okay, you were very, put a lot of pressure on me to call somebody a liar, so I'm going to call your home inspector a liar. I don't really think he's a liar, but if you want it, he's the closest thing to a liar that I've seen in this, in your questioning. He must be brand new. He doesn't know what he's looking at. It has brand new plywood and you can't put there would be no reason for someone to install brand new plywood and then three layers of roofing. So he just doesn't understand what he's looking at. Therefore, I don't trust anything else in his home inspection report. Now, I never heard back from them. They don't waste the time to call you back and say, hey, you're right. You know, it's, that would just be out of their uh, realm of possibility. So it's fun. Uh, never heard from him again. But these things, you, there's a program, there's a protocol set up by HUD to do the draw inspections and make sure this construction gets done in a professional and workmanlike manner. Uh, if it doesn't do that, then you're going to get in trouble. If you're trying to do something outside of common sense or outside of their protocol, you will get in trouble. It may not happen tomorrow or next day. One big thing that's happening is there's an instructor nationally that has been for telling their people to constantly get a contractor bid before you ever go out to make your inspection. Number one, that's totally wrong. Your consultant should go out to the property. I don't even want to see an a contractor's bid. If you have one, I have to see it. But if you don't have one, let me put our scope of work together first. Once you have the scope of work together and my bid, I pull the prices off of it and we send that out to your contractors who you want to bid the project. And if you don't have any, uh, well, I'm not afraid of, to send it out to a couple that I know on your behalf, but the ultimate choice is the borrower's choice. So if if we get three bids in, and that's a big if, you don't always get three. Um, you may want to, but you don't always get them. So you get the first bid comes in. Let's say that my bid, 
bid on this job was twenty thousand dollars, and the first bid that comes in comes in at twenty five thousand. The second bid comes in at twenty two five. The third bid comes in at eighteen thousand. Which one are you going to take? Well, it's the borrower's decision. So, in the case of the eighteen thousand, my first thought is maybe they missed something. Maybe they missed profit and overhead because there wasn't a line item for it. On a 203K, all the prices are supposed to include profit, taxes, and overhead. So, wow, it might not work that way. In any case, it's a good thing to uh, to double-check. And be careful if you're going to take the low bid. You know, that's what so many people do is they jump on that low bid, and then he finds out about halfway through the project that he didn't bid the job high enough. He forgot his profit and overhead, so he walks. You never hear from him again. Now you got to go find him first, and if you can find him, you can sue him and get in front of him. In front of a judge when he tells him, hey, judge, we have a contract with them to say they got to take me to arbitration. So if you didn't go to arbitration first, well, you're suing him for nothing because it's going to have to go back to arbitration. Anyway, he's not going to finish the job. That's the crucial part of this thing. Uh, so it's best. I had one where they took the low bid. I instructed the lender to go ahead and close it with my numbers, and we will pay the contractor according to his numbers. And uh, and we did that. And about halfway through, the contractor says, oh, my God, I forgot my profit and overhead. So he he had made a mistake, and it was a crucial mistake. But we had the money in the loan to cover that mistake. So in any case, you know, um, we got to take another break. I'm running a minute or two beyond. Sorry about that, Doug. Uh, call us at 888-627-6008 and be part of the show if you'd like. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this message. We moved into our new home knowing it had faults when we discovered more damage than anticipated. Then we heard about the renovation loan that would allow us to refinance the loan and get the money to make those repairs all in one. One low interest loan. What a great idea. Why would a 
become a consultant? Or why would a contractor, engineer, or architect want to become a consultant? Well, why not? Number one, an engineer or an architect likes to follow their projects anyway, so why not be a consultant and follow your project right through the end and get paid a draw inspection fee each time you created a draw request? Uh, that's simple. Why would a contractor want to be one? Well, I'm training three or four contractors right now who are all getting up in age, and they're tired of swinging that hammer. And their bones are snap, crackle, and pop now, uh, where they thought Rice Krispies was the only one that snap, crackle, and pop. Uh, they find that they're starting to snap, crackle, and pop. So... What happens is you, uh, being a consultant, you are just that. You you create a scope of work and you bid a job. So who better to bid a job than a con contractor? The fact that that contractor is uh, going to get older and whatnot doesn't change his ability to bid a job. So he can still create a scope of work. He can still bid the job. And it's probably better at it than a home inspector would be to bid the job, unless that home inspector came from construction. So it's uh, it's just a good good idea f for anybody that is thinking about adding another profit center to your business. Um, you can be a contractor and a consultant. You just can't be the consultant on your own contracting job. But you can certainly start a second career while your existing career is in in full motion. So that's pretty cool too. So, um, and you're not doing anything different than you were before, except now you're going to add draw inspections to your fees, and you're going to get paid to do a bid. How bad is that? You know, generally a contractor puts a bid together, he doesn't get any money for the time that he spends bidding that job. You know, I love the story. When I was uh, growing up, my father was a sheet, sheet metal contractor. He didn't get air. And I can remember when I was about 10 or 12 years old that uh, I would go in there. He'd be spread out, his blueprints spread out on the living room floor, and he'd be doing uh, what he called a takeoff. So I'd jump on him and try to wrestle with him and try to play with him and get a little father-son time. And he'd wrestle me to the ground and turn me over there and say, "Here, look at this. Let me show you what I'm doing." You know, kids are like sponges; they absorb so much if you just take the time to show them. Uh, and they want to please. You know, you always want to please your parents. You want to please the people you're working for, or whatever. But uh, by the time I was 12, I was doing takeoffs for heating and air, sheet metal work. Um, Never went into that field. Uh, we did go into manufacturing later on, and I had the, the learning happened. I don't know how many sheet metal contractors I schooled on how to bid a job uh, the way Dad did. My brother, Tommy, he, he was an installer, and he put in uh, lots of commercial heating and air conditioning systems, and he had a complete different take on doing his takeoffs. Uh, you know, he had created a square foot method, so he could he could look at the size of this space and put a bid together based on the size of the space and the, and the, 
the commonality of jobs, but you got a commercial job, he might spend a lot of time doing a basic system takeoff, and then he had enough of those behind him that he created some shortcuts that worked out very well. Uh, but he was a master at, uh, at blueprints. In fact, shortly before my father passed, I guess, actually before that, it was quite a was about 10 years before my dad passed. Um, he and I were talking, and I, he asked me, he said, how come you called Tommy over here to this, to my business? I said, because he's the best layout man I've ever met next to you. And he said, what? Tommy? Uh, he just couldn't believe it, but Tommy was. Tommy was a very, very sharp at laying out. He could, You could give him a, a sketch, and he would draw it out, or you could give him an item and said, uh, here, I want to make this sheet metal, and he'd whip out a pattern for you, or lickety-split. But what I brought him in to do was go over all the patterns at my dad's shop and redo them, make them more efficient. Um, and that, that's kind of what we did back in those days. Uh, at one point, the three of us had a sheet metal manufacturing company that uh, was quite well. We became the second largest in the 11 western states and provided service you know, to all those states, including Hawaii and Alaska. So, yep, weird. Life has its twists. They're both gone now. Let's see. What does a home inspector do differently than a consultant? That's a big thing. You know, as I take home inspectors and teach them, I have to teach them to bid. I have to teach them to use a book. Um, as part of what we do is we, we get them hooked up with a cost guide. Uh, home Tech Publishing is the best one for what we do, and they've been recommended by HUD for over 25 years. They were the only source originally, but since then HUD has stopped recommending cost guides, but it still makes them the best, the first. Uh, so anyway, but what the home inspector typically does is inspects a property and he's looking for good aspects of the property, but he writes a report that reflects what's going on with that property, and when he does that, most of the time we're going to be accused of finding too much and killing the deal, well, that's not factual. That's certainly not reality. If we found too much, it's to the purchasers or the buyer's benefit because they're going to use that information to go renegotiate the price downward to cover those deficiencies, and that's the way it should be. If your realtor is not behind that 100%, then you may have the wrong realtor. They didn't kill the deal. The deal wasn't a good deal in the first place. So, but the fun part of this is that you, uh, a contractor, I mean, a, a home inspector, let's get it right, is going to locate maybe a broken window. And maybe there's five broken windows. So he might say there are several or multiple broken windows in this home and should be repaired for say, safety, health and safety. Well, that's great. But a consultant would say the same thing, but he would say it, there are, he would enumerate it. He said, there are five broken windows in this house. And it's 
not they should be repaired. They, you know, provide and install five repair windows or whatever for that property. So a home inspector is going to identify an issue. Maybe there is a mold-like substance in the, bed, in the bedrooms. Well, that doesn't tell us how big the problem is. So a consultant would say something like, there is a mold issue. Uh, we need to determine what caused it and repair the cause, which doesn't happen again, and then replace X number 200 feet or 300 square feet of drywall. Um, a lot of times when you see mold, you're seeing the surface mold. But for it to get there, that, that mold is probably, mold grows in dark, damp places, and the surface is not necessarily the darkest or the dampest. So you may have a big mold issue behind the drywall. So as you pull that out and let those spores into the room, you're contaminating the rest of the room. So it's got to be done a certain way with the negative pressure on the house and so forth. Uh, there's a lot of things there that uh, you have to pay attention to to do it right. Uh, we always suggest they use uh, EPA's RRP methods. Uh, repair and renovation uh, recommendations, okay, uh, or procedures, RRP. Okay, well, Doug is waving at me, and this time I caught you before I didn't run over. Thank you, sir. Um, so please call us at 888-627-6008 if you want to be part of the show. Hang in there. We're going to be right back after this short break. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. I thought we'd get a construction loan to fix our home, but they wanted four points and nine percent interest. And if we didn't get the job finished within six months, they wanted even more points. Then we heard about the FHA 203K program, where we could refinance our home and get the additional money to make those repairs all in one low interest loan. What a great idea. I'm gonna let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. <laughs> hey, it's Mike Young. We're back with you. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, we're here every Sunday, uh, 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock p.m., and we're talking about all things renovation. You know, renovation loan for your residential construction or your mixed-use buildings uh, can be a problem. You know, if you if you go down and get hard money, you're looking at paying nine percent, ten percent, maybe a twelve percent interest, and you're paying a couple of points. Um, the points is their bonus. You know, if you got to pay points, something's wrong with this thing. Uh, but if you've got hard money and you need hard money, then you might have to do that just to get by, to get your loan. Where renovation loans like FHA, Fannie Mae, uh, wow, even the VA has one. There's about six others, um, Farm Administration, all that sort of stuff. So we all have all these renovation loans that are out there. The sweet thing about them is that they're typically for 30 years. They include your purchase or refinance amount and the construction cost. It's all in one low interest loan. You're not
paying nine percent. You're paying closer to four and a half or five percent, maybe less. I don't get into that part, so we don't quote rates, but uh, we can certainly put you in touch with a good lender for 203k if you need that help. We're happy to provide that information. We have approximately 360. Last time I looked, about 360 lenders and loan officers that we deal with nationally. Uh, we're in every state, so you know it's it's a good thing. And if you need help in any way, please go to 203k911.com and tell us about your issue. We'll be happy to try to help you. Uh, again, we've helped about 99% of our customers with absolutely no fee whatsoever by giving them guidance. Uh, their, their problems were so small when when you looked at them, you stood back and looked at them uh, as a disinterested third party. Sometimes the solution is easier than you think. I tell you, one guy called me up and says, "Oh, my contractor's trying to charge me two hundred dollars for this work that he did here." And I, did you ask him to do it? Yeah. Did you get a price ahead of time? No. But I didn't think it'd be two hundred dollars. Well, then you didn't do it right. What you should have done, if you have a consultant, you should have told the consultant, I need to get this work done. The consultant would have told you about what that job was worth. And if it's $200, then you would feel better about paying him $200. Well, I'm ready to take him to arbitration. According to this contract we have, I can take him to arbitration, and he has to go there. Well... Yes and no. If he doesn't come up with the $1,200 fee, his half, and you don't come up with $1,200, your half, to fight over this $200 problem, at that point, wait a minute, is it going to cost that much? I said, well, it could. Maybe you'll get it for half. So you put 600 he put 600 and you fight over who was who was the 200 Well, gosh, I just, I said, yeah, you just. So think about it. Sometimes the problem is you, in the way of yourself, you're trying to, um, I don't know, defend your honor or whatever, but you should have asked for the price in advance before you told him to do the work. You should have gone through your consultant to verify that it's a decent price for that amount of work. Uh, you can't just arbitrarily tell the contractor to do something because they look at change orders or changes to the scope of work as gold. Uh, they know they don't, or typically know that they're not going to have to bid against somebody. But you have that ability to do that by letting your consultant know it in advance. So your consultant needs to be consulted with. Now, once the loan closes, your consultant changes hats. He's no longer your consultant. But I tell my clients, if you ask me a question, and frankly, it's not a question that lender wants you to ask at that point, stage the game, then I might ask you, to, are you asking me that as a consultant, or are you asking me that as your draw administrator, or your draw inspector? Um, and I'll keep asking until my clients say, oh, as a consultant. Well, if you were asking me that as a consultant, this is the way I would handle it. You tell me what it is you want to do over and above your scope of work. And I'll explain to you that change orders are only for health, safety, or of necessity items. Items that must be done for the longevity of the property we're repairing. 
what I mean by that is uh, if you have a, a broken baluster on your porch, it needs repair. That should have been health or safety already in your scope. But if it got broke as we were doing work and nobody's willing to admit who did it, then we can do a change order because it's health or safety. Of longevity means if you have maybe a termite or a soft spot in your floor that you discovered after the fact. Uh, they ripped the carpets out thinking they had hardwood floor because they pulled a corner of the carpet back where they started, and there was hardwood floor. But when they took it all up, the whole middle section was gone. There wasn't any hardwood floor. There was plywood that was up even with the floor so the carpet could be laid. So that's of necessity. We now know that we have an issue. We didn't know what we had when we started this project, or we would have built some repairs to that hardwood floor in there. You know, I had a, a mini mall that I bought years ago, and it had wood floors. It was a wonderful old building. Um, uh -oh. Hey, Alexa, quiet down. Um, Alexa, stop. I put Alexa in here. I think I might have to rethink that one. She's sending me an alarm. Anyway, the fun part of this thing is uh, the floor in one of the rooms, one of the uh, stores that I created, was buckled up about six inches high. Uh, there was a about four-inch gap in it. You could see down in there, but you could get the vacuum cleaner down there and clean it all out. And I had called a, a hardwood floor company to come out and take a look at it. And when they did, uh, I said, look, I don't want to mess around with this thing. I don't want to take a lot of time. I want to get it fixed quickly, so just cut here, cut here, take that out, put the new plywood in or the new hardwood flooring. And this guy looked at me who ran that company. I'd never done business with him before that I knew of. But he looked at me really strangely, and he says, your name is Young. I said, yeah. He says, you have a father named Les? And I said, yeah. Yeah, you sound just like him. You look a lot like him, too. And he tried to tell me how to do my job, too, and you ain't going to do it. He couldn't do it. He said, I'll fix this thing, and don't you worry about it. Anyway, what he ended up doing shocked me. He shocked me completely. That board, those boards that were buckled up from a roof leak that had happened there for years, he shoved them, he put glue in the hole, put lots of glue in the hole, and then he put a jack stand over that problem, uh, floor and went up to the ceiling and put a 2x12 and a 4x4 and four four holding it, and he started jacking that floor back down, and he literally jacked that floor right flat again, right in front of my eyes. And I couldn't believe that he could get that, that it would do that. I thought that floor was buckled forever. Uh, but it was fun to watch him do his job, and uh, that's a master, and that's always a good idea to hire the best people for the job. Uh, and he clearly was the best, and after that, he and I got along just fine. But for a long time, uh, <laughs> a couple of days anyway, when he was fixing that thing, he was he was cursing my father, but he was using the words and sending them to me. <laughs> Anyway, I want to thank you all for being with us today. We had a lot of fun. I always have fun. Um, so join us next Sunday between 1 and 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. 
broadcast again is coming to you from our Las Vegas, Nevada offices. We look forward to seeing you next time. Please bring your questions. Plan on calling us. We love it. In the meantime, may God bless you. Tune in every Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time to BBS Radio Station 1 and learn more about making home renovations possible, profitable, and hassle-free. Isn't it time you learned how to make money doing something you loved? Visit 203konline.com now and let's get your home makeover projects done right. Right.